city called Fall Fest, and uh, um, I told you a few weeks ago, um, just to put it in comparison, we probably have, um, on average, each month, about 250 different individuals that come in uh, our church on a monthly basis, um, some more, some less, and uh, last night, just last night alone, 403 people came through these doors, so just, just amazing, and it's not, and it's not, and yeah, and thanks, and it was a Husker game last night, so that was a minor miracle right there. Um, and it's not just uh, the bodies in, in the door, because we could do all kinds of stuff and get, and get people in the door, right? You know, um, I bet if we gave away a car, we could probably fill this place. <laughs> so, but there's always mission to it. There's always purpose. So like, why do we do what we do? And, and one of the big reasons is because um, uh, every person that walks through this door, these doors has the opportunity to hear the gospel message and make a decision for Jesus. I mean, that, that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. So, um, yeah, praise God. Last night we had Keith Becker um, uh, sharing the gospel um, to every person that went through the maze. And I, and I think Pastor Greg's uh, doing it a little bit. I don't know. I, some, somebody's doing it. And uh, we'll, we'll find out who. Uh, somebody will be sharing the gospel tonight, I guarantee you, even if it's me. All right. Um, in, in light of all that, just so, just so everyone knows, um, it's taken so many hands to make all of it this possible, and I could go down a list and thank everybody, and uh, um, I'm not going to do that right now. I, I mean, I will say just in general, we had, like Wednesday night, we had um, the men's group came out, and, and even just for an hour and a half or two did some things. We've had lots of people just throughout the weeks just pick up a hammer or, or staple guns. The women's group, I think I saw all the, uh, them out, like um, browning the meat and doing different. So you know what, people just even if it was an hour here, an hour there. I'm saying that there's a couple other ways you could help. One is um, if if you feel like you could donate some more candy um, for the kids to be able to get candy, um, you could either um, go to Target or Walmart, pick up a bag, let Leslie know, and bring it by, or you could. Um, Drop some, some money in the offering or hand 20 bucks to Leslie or whatever you want to do. And, and so candy would be helpful if you, if you can't show up and physically be here. Um, the other thing is 9 o'clock Monday night. Everyone say 9 o'clock Monday night. Be here or be square. <laughs> if we're going to take one hour when, uh, when everything shuts down. We're going to just take one hour and blitz this place. And so if, um, if you feel like you can come out for one hour, um, you know, if we had 40 people, that's 40 man hours, right? You know, and so we could just blitz this place and at least get a good start. Um, and then there will be some, some more opportunities. I'll say opportunities. Opportunities to help tear down and all that stuff uh, later in the week. Um, and another thing is, um, if you just want to be around kids in chaos, say kids in chaos, we've got tonight and tomorrow night, there's still some spots that can be filled with, uh, you know, monitoring inflatables or handing out candy or I think, I don't know, kitchen help or um, we've got a bonfire and a hay rack, all kinds of stuff. If you're like, you know what? Uh, I've been holding out, and so I'm finally going to volunteer. Um, you could talk to Leslie or Bo or myself or somebody, and, and we'll get you plugged in tonight or tomorrow night. And then last but not least, um, right after service, we're just going to 
take all the, the chairs and put them in the storage room and start getting the sanctuary set up for um, a bunch of kids tonight. So if you want to stay and help us with that for just a, probably 15, 20 minutes, we'll knock that out. All right. I, wanna, I want you to hear a couple of testimonies because this whole series has led up to Fall Fest and it's about light into darkness. I want you to hear a couple of testimonies of last night um, as we get ready to close up this series. Um, and and uh, I, th- I think today will be good. Next week, we're going to start a series called Amazing Grace. And we've actually invited, um, we have little inserts in all of the bags that the kids and parents get. And they're going to, so we're just uh, ho- praying that people come back and hear the amazing story of grace. Um, next week. But first, a couple of testimonies. I wanted to have um, uh, Keith, would you just come? Do we have a handheld? We stuck you back in that room by yourself the whole night. Yes. It was fun. Man, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of, uh, a lot of work. It was crazy because uh, um, I had to apologize to several people because I only had like two or three minutes between the groups. And so if I wanted to get water, I pretty much had to jump over and knock people down and run and grab water. So it was really neat to see um, all the people that came through and, and um, you know, so many different things, so many different things going on in the spirit world that we really don't understand. I don't understand it all, but I do know that last night, as Jonathan mentioned, 400 people had an opportunity to hear the gospel, and some of them responded, some of them didn't, and you know, one of the things when Jonathan mentioned, uh, hey, you want to just share a little bit of a testimony, um, I was in that room just watching, just observing people. Now, are you going to have uh, Bruce share anything? Anybody? Good, good, because I think that's one of the most important uh, pieces that came out. But here's what I know about sharing the gospel. It's a seed in the Spirit, and you never know when the Spirit's going to breathe life on that seed. And listen, we as a church, guys, we got to remember that because the harvest is not ours. It does not belong to us. We do not decide when someone comes to the Lord. But the seed belongs to us. We sow the seed, and we have to be faithful in doing that. And that's what we did last night. It was faithful to shine the light of truth, to sow the seed of the gospel. And I got to sit in that room and just one after one after one after one after one play a video that I am tired of hearing now. But nonetheless... A video that clearly explained the gospel and the way in which people can be saved. You know, it was interesting because I thought um, oh, a couple of the guides, Shell, did a fabulous job. Fabulous job explaining, guys, this isn't just a maze. This is about you making a personal decision. What will you do with Jesus Christ? Now, here's a word the Lord I feel like gave to me this morning when Jonathan asked me to share. And I, I just want to share from Galatians 6. And seven, and Jonathan said, don't be long, but listen, it's all right, Jonathan. Six, seven, okay? Galatians six, seven, I think it's so important. No, no, you stay up here because otherwise I will preach. Six, seven says, do not be deceived. Now, this is important. This is really important. Galatians six, seven, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature From that nature will reap destruction, but the one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Now listen, last night, I know a lot of you, like me, were going, man, I'd rather stay home and watch the game. I'd rather sow to the flesh. 
I've got too much going on tonight. I can't really be a part of it. I'd rather sow to the flesh. And you know, the Lord was convicting me all day yesterday because I'm thinking, I need to get this done. I need to get that done. And the Lord pretty much said, Keith, quit sowing to your sinful, selfish flesh. Sow to the Spirit. Sow to the unseen world. We don't know who's going to come to Christ. And they may not come to Christ tonight, last night, or tomorrow night. But we're sowing to the Spirit. And the Scripture says very clearly, when you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life. Do we care about people getting saved or not? That's what this is all about. It's what it's all about is people having an opportunity to reap eternal life. Now, all across Kearney in the next two or three nights, people are going to be sowing to the sinful nature. Demonic, haunted houses, That's darkness, and here we have an opportunity to sow to the Spirit. So let me close with the next verse of Ephesians chapter 6, verse 8. says, Therefore, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Leslie, do not grow weary. Do not grow weary. Bo, do not grow weary. Kelly, do not grow weary. These are the leaders that are leading us into battle. Don't grow weary. And saints of God, get on board. Sow to the Spirit. And so what I want to do before you bring up your next testimony, I want to pray that we won't grow weary. Guys, if, if the church doesn't rise up, the darkness will, right? If we don't step up, so let us not grow weary because in due time, in due time, we will reap a harvest of everlasting life. So, Father, I pray right here that this building would become a beacon, a seedbed for eternal life tonight. Father, that the seed of truth would fall on good soil tonight. Lord, bring the hard-hearted. Bring the broken. Bring the demonic. Bring them and let us deliver them. Let us bring the light of Jesus so that they might see, Father. And Jesus, we need to be encouraged, God. The fields are ripe. How can we do it on our own, Lord? But help us not to grow weary, Lord. Help us. Help all the saints in this building not to sow to their sinful nature, not to sow to their flesh, but Lord, help us to sow to the Spirit that in due time, O God, we would reap, we'd reap that harvest. So, Father, I pray tonight you'd bring people, bring abundance, Lord, bring them all over. Bring them, Father. Bring the broken, bring the sick, bring the lame, bring the hurting, bring the lost, Father. And let us be faithful to shine the light of your gospel and light up their heart, Lord. Let them see how much you love them. Turn them away from their sin, Jesus, and turn them to you. Lord, we want to sow to the Spirit tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, thank you for letting me share, Jonathan. For sure. I feel like we need to take up an offering for you now. (laughs) Oh, we got Bruce. Where where are you at? Why don't you come up here? You had a pretty amazing testimony last night. Now, we had, if I understand right, you guys were praying even beforehand and asking the Lord to give you pictures and and, uh, for, you know, Lord, who are you going to highlight at Fall Fest? And he specifically gave you something, and then you guys were able to, like, go and find your treasure and, and share the Lord with them. So um, fill us all in. Well, my wife 
is way better at that than I am. Uh, she actually got the word for who she was supposed to look for. Um, and we got the opportunity to pray for a couple people. And um, the Spirit of the Lord showed up. Um, we, we, we found the person we were supposed to. My wife had the burden. She called me out. I really didn't feel led. We went over there anyway. The Spirit of the Lord was right there on that table. People started crying. We were able to minister. There was a, a whole family that wouldn't, they, they were stranded in, in uh, Kearney. Um, I, I, my wife and I talked about this, and we feel like it's their testimony, like someday they're going to be here and tell you their testimony. So I don't want to share too much. But I'm going to tell you that they weren't going to be here. And because of this event, they said, we got kids. It's a safe place. Let's just go. And so they came. And they stayed a good portion of the night. And we got to pray with them. And there were tears. The Spirit of the Lord moved on one man, and he had to leave the building because of, he was weeping because the Lord had put his finger on his heart, and he broke. And a lot of these people don't have any grid for what the Holy Spirit is doing. They just know, i got to get out of here, I'm crying. But it's the power of God moving on them. Anyway, um, I'm just going to ask you to pray for the family. Um, I'm hoping they will return here. I'm hoping you'll get to see them. Um, I don't want to give up too much information, but he needs work. Uh, they need their, their physical bodies touched. There's some... Uh, disabilities there they just need a break um, but I want you to know that that's part of sowing the seed and um, anyway if you want to add anything I have one more thing to say really fast and I have a word from the Lord that came during worship and it's either I, it's either for the whole church or for one person but it's regardless the word over us is regardless and I had to look it up because it means without paying attention the current situation and I got just this picture of all the excuses we bring the Lord I, I can't approach you because I'm sinful I can't do this I can't we got all these excuses I have the wrong skin color I, I was born in the, in the wrong class and um, I don't make enough money and the Lord just said regardless there's Jesus regardless my word stands so anyway that's my word and that kind of fits with um what I was thinking about when um, we found out we had just come up and share a little bit, one of the things about um, our church in our history has been spoken over us is that we are a, a city of refuge, a place of refuge. And last night, um, with the masses coming in, and they will continue to come in. Um, we were seeing not just being a place of provision, but a place of um, being able to look at the need and to provide Jesus as um, that safe place, that refuge. Um, and, and Bruce was right that there's kind of this not a grid to understand what's come over me. What is this love? That's the thing that was really hitting them was, was they had never been loved like that. You know, to see Holy Spirit being highlighting over a life or a table in, in uh, the major 
time that we spent praying, but just putting putting his his hand out there and saying, "Go to this one or go over here and um, so for us in our in our way of approaching and thinking, I think we need to to think again about that place of refuge that we have been called to be. And it's not just that we'll be protected in the devastating times, but that we will be reaching those that are devastated. What does it look like when the refugee comes in? And what does it look like when we go to the refugee? Because a city of refuge has refugees, and they need loved, and they need help, and they need the eyes of their understanding opened. Um, I heard it over and over and over in just the last few months even, but last night again. You know, it gives you opportunity as they begin to question you. You find out that God has built into your life testimony. I've always felt like a person that didn't have much, you know, to really offer. And suddenly I'm finding that the testimony of my life was actually brought in for a time like now, you know, for that person last night. What Jesus did for me, and their eyes open wide, and they look at me, and they go, you really believe God really does that? You know? And so that can be you, too. You you know, never walk around with your head down thinking, I don't have much to say, because just reach Jesus with your heart, and he will take his heart and help you reach others. Praise God. Praise God. I don't know if I <laughs> I don't know if I need to preach now, right? That was, that was so good. That was so good. Um, I, I am just going to share. We, we've had a, a series uh, passage out of Matthew five, um, Matthew five, verse fourteen through sixteen. It says this: "You are the light of the of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden." Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I'm just, I want to share a few thoughts about this before we leave today um, as we wrap this up. The, the series is Light in the Darkness. The thought over these last few weeks has been this. Darkness will be expelled in your world to the extent that you shine your light. It is impossible for darkness to be where light is. And then today, the, the, the title for today is really a question. It's this, why shine? And, and we could come up with all kinds of Christian answers and all this, but I want to I bring it to a simple thought at the end of the message. Why shine? Why is this so important? Another verse to just kind of back this whole thing up in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, For at one time you were darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. He, Jesus calls us light. Paul calls us light. And we know that, that the light isn't created on our own, right? We all get the fact that, that uh, the, the light is from the Lord and he gives it to us and then we shine. This, this whole passage came from Matthew chapter 5 on Sermon on the Mount. And I keep coming back to this because... Um, when Jesus was preaching this first sermon to the crowds uh, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, this was 
This was kind of his entry point. This was the, the, the first thoughts he had when he was ministering. It was what I like to call Christianity 101. And so part of just basic Christianity is, would you let your light shine? Would you let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven? This was uh, what his first disciples were hearing as they were being trained. And so today, the thought today in this question, why shine is this? Being the light of the world necessarily requires us to make God famous. Being the light of the world necessarily requires us to make God famous. And so just three points today. Number one, I say just three points. Just want to make it, that way you guys know we're going to end at some point. Number one, light receivers. God's calling us to be light receivers because we don't produce the light on our own. We receive the light. Light receivers. When Jesus was talking about being the light of the world, you have to understand that they had, um, they had lamps. They had oil lamps that, um, that they would have in their houses. And, and that would be how they, they didn't have electricity, right? They didn't have, but they had oil lamps. And so they would put the oil in the lamp and they would uh, have the wicks. And maybe some of you have seen some oil lamps. Maybe some of you have oil lamps, some old antique oil lamps. And they would have the wick and you would light the wick that was soaked in the oil. And the light would last as long as the oil lasted. And, and, and so you would burn the oil. It, it, this, Jesus, uh, he didn't like waste words. He was, he was telling us, first of all, we're needing to be light receivers. I, I look at this uh, in this whole analogy, in this whole picture of the oil lamp. Um, how full is your oil? Are you, are you, are you full? Is, is the Holy Spirit full in you? Have, you? have you had time to fill yourself up? I know that when we, we talk theology, which is a big word for the study of God in the Bible, when we talk theology, you know, there's, there's this whole thought that says, well, we have the greatness of God in us. We are already full if we, become, uh, if we get saved. Do you guys believe that? There's also this paradox of a thought, this almost seemingly contradictory thought, but it's not. And it comes in Ephesians and he says, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so you sit there and you think, well, why be filled if I'm already filled? Right? And the thought actually in the original language, that verse in, in Ephesians, he says, he says, do not be drunk on wine, as, uh, but be filled with the Spirit. In that verse, the be, the, the be filled, it actually means um, uh, be continually being filled. And again, it's that paradox thought, I am already full, but I also need to continue being filled, which is interesting, and I'm not going to um, ask you to understand it because I don't. But I know that there's this thought, that there's an intentionality. There's not, it, this isn't a passive Christianity. This isn't, I just get to skate through and kind of hope, you know, and this is, this is, it's an intentional walk with God, where I have access to the fullness of Him and there's an intentional part that says, Lord, would you fill me? Would you fill me daily? I, I look at this lamp. I have access to an unlimited resource of oil. But I have to partner with him to fill that on a daily basis. It, it, it won't ever run out. I've got an endless storehouse of oil. But there's a process of putting that oil in the lamp 
There's a process of receiving this light. I can't be a light in a dark world if I run out of oil. And I think Jesus didn't mince words. I think he didn't like accidentally put that in there. He knew his audience and his audience would have seen an oil lamp and they would have known, I have to have that oil lamp full. To to the degree that your lamp is full is the degree that you will be able to burn bright for Jesus. But even if we're full, we don't always burn bright. And that's an interesting thing um, because um, how many, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many know that um, to burn bright means that you, you have attention? You're burning bright in a dark world. All eyes are on you. And for whatever reason, we don't, sometimes we're scared. You know that the world doesn't like the light? You know that Jesus said that, you, that, that people will reject you because of me? And I know we, we like the warm fuzzy messages, but, but listen, the brighter you burn, the more attention you'll get, the more you're making God famous, and it could get awkward. It could get awkward at a family reunion. It could get awkward in a workplace. It could get awkward at Walmart. It could get awkward in places because you're choosing to let your light shine. And that's why some people don't want their light to shine. They're like, just fill me with the oil, but don't burn me because I don't want to burn bright. Isn't that just, isn't that silly to have a lamp full of oil and not burn it so that you can let off light? But it's just how we, it's how we are. Man, I'll, I'll be honest, there's times when I'm scared to let my light shine. There's times when, when I'm scared to talk with the person in the checkout line. And there's times when I'm scared to, to share with the waitress at the restaurant. There's times when I'm scared at the store or, or even with the, that one family member. You know who I'm talking about. Well, you know that this is going to... This isn't going to go, go good. And there's times I'm scared to let my light shine. I imagine I'm not the only one. There's a story of uh, a guy, his name was Reverend Dr. A.W. Mays. And he told of an incident. It took place in his hometown of Austin, Texas. There was, in Austin, Texas, there was an area of, of the city that was known for crime, lots of crime. And eventually the, the people of, the, of that community petitioned the city to, to put up um, uh, light posts because the, they're, they're just, there was a lack of light posts. They thought if we put up light posts and turn the light on that the crime rate would go down. Well, they were right, actually, that they, the, they put light up and, the, and, and when they put the light up, the darkness, um, literally in the city, the crime rate went down. Well, the criminals didn't like that too much. And so they would get rocks and throw the rocks at the lights and break the lights. And then there would be darkness again and the crime rate would go back up. Well, then the city would fix the lights and then the crime rate would go down. And then the criminals would throw rocks and then the crime rate would go up. And it kept going back and forth until finally the city gave up and just let it be full of crime in that area. And so the Reverend Dr. Mays, uh, his point was obviously that the world hates light. The world loves the darkness, is drawn to the darkness. Number two, in this this whole thought, as we're chasing the question, why light? 
first you want to be a light receiver, but then you want to be a light placer. Number two, you want to be a light placer. When these oil lamps, that were, they were full of, of oil and they would have these wicks and you would light the, the lamp. These, these lamps didn't, they weren't like these huge like mag lights. They weren't like these, they weren't like the lights we have in here where you just turn them on. And I mean, these were, they, they, they gave off a modest amount of light, these lamps. And, and they were common in households. And so what they would do is they would have to strategically place that lamp in the home where it would, could give up the most amount of light possible. And it's in, in, this, in this passage, you, you, you hear him say, don't put it under a, a basket. I heard someone say a, a bushel. Or some, as we were debating on, I think there was a whole Facebook argument on, is it under, don't put your light under a bushel or don't put it under a bush, oh no. And uh, we were going back and forth on that. And I, it's, a, it's bushel. It's bushel, guys. But so he's, he's saying, don't, don't hide it. Don't put it on it. That's not the, the, the best strategic place to give off the most light, to put it under a bushel. Uh, to, to give off the most light, in fact, he says it here in this passage. He says, put it on a lampstand. And where they would have these, these stands that would come out of the, the wall, and you would put the lamp on that, and then it would give off the most possible light in the room. And so the idea is where are you strategically placed to let your light shine? I'll tell you what, there are, there are some, uh, in, in Bible college, that are, we, we, we learned about sovereign foundations. And sovereign foundations are this, you know that there are things outside of your control, right? Would everyone would agree with me? There are things outside of your control. Uh, and some of the things outside of our control, not all of them, but some of the things outside of our control are called sovereign foundations. Like how many know that you can't control the fact that you were born a woman or a man? Well, I guess there's some, but you know, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying. So how many know that, that you can't control um, what family you were born into? You can't control some of these things that, that you grew up in a certain city, in a certain part of the country, or a certain part of the world. You can't. There are certain things that are called sovereign foundations that are just part of your history, right? And in other words, as Jesus is talking about being a light into the world, there are certain things about your sovereign foundations where God has strategically placed you to give up the most possible light in your sphere of influence. You're like, man, I don't like my family. I hate family reunions. I don't like that, you know, I don't like that one person. I don't like that workplace. I don't like that. And I I wonder if we took a step back and realized that possibly, just possibly, the Lord has strategically placed you to give off the most possible light in your sphere of influence. Some examples of strategically placing your light. Uh, what if you placed your light for your spouse to see it? Uh, how, many, how many know that that would be a good idea for some households to place your light so that your spouse could see the good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven? What if you strategically placed your light so that your children can see it? All the, all the, the wives, the mothers say amen. What if you strategically placed your, your light so your parents could see it? What if you 
placed your light for extended family or close friends or neighbors or coworkers? What if your light was placed in such a way that there was strategy in your life? I am going to let my light shine. I'm going to put this lamp in a strategic place so they can give off the most possible light because these people need to see Jesus, coworkers, employers. or How many know that some employers need to see your light? Some of your employees, maybe you... Maybe you're a boss and your employees need to see that. Maybe you frequent the same restaurants. Anyone frequent the same restaurants? Like you just go there all the time. Maybe you like the same food or whatever it is. Or, I mean, eventually you frequent the same restaurant or the same store and you start getting on a first name basis with some of the people that work there. Do you think that it could be God strategically placing you to release your light into a dark world? Maybe God's asking some of us to step out of our comfort zone even as the Lord leads. If we are modeling what the world has to offer, our light is no longer effective. Did you know that? If we're just modeling what the world has to offer, I mean, and that's it. Oftentimes people can't tell the difference between us and everybody else. Moses was... uh, talking with God and debating. And, he, and there came to this point in Exodus 33 where um, uh, God was actually threatening to take his presence away from the people because of, of sin and all of this stuff. And Moses says, wait, wait, don't go. If we don't have your presence, how are we, is anyone going to be able to tell us apart from everybody else in the world? You're the thing. You're the difference. We look like everybody else on the planet if we don't have your presence. Could I go so far as to say if we don't have your light? There's a, um, here's an, an example, uh, you know, a lot of trucks or, or work vans, they'll have the, the bumper sticker on the back of their, of their truck that'll, that'll say, how, how is my driving? And I'll have the, the 1-800. Has anyone ever called that number, by the way? <laughs> I'd, I'd like, if you have, I'd like to work you into a sermon sometime. <laughs> well, it's supposed to make the driver accountable, right? You're driving around, you know there's a number, you know anybody could call at any time. They probably won't, but they could. So it keeps you, keeps you accountable. Well, it's said that in Ireland... Um, most people drive very, very courteously. They, they, um, they don't have very many uh, traffic lights. They have some, but what they have, they have the roundabouts. Anyone ever been in a roundabout where you, you go in and you can exit out all these different directions? Really confusing. And, and so they have a lot of roundabouts in, in Ireland and very courteous drive where they would just courteously let somebody in and courteously let somebody out. It would never work here in America, right? <laughs> never, never work. And so, but in Ireland... They, um, most everybody's courteous, except for um, there are some, some vehicles, some people that are known as the white van man. And the white van man is the truck or the van that is usually a white van that is unmarked, has uh, no company logo, no number to say, how's my driving, nothing, they are unmarked. And they drive around recklessly just not caring about their van and not caring about who they're going to run into or or whatever. They just drive around recklessly because there's no accountability. There's no bumper sticker that says, call this number. 
We wonder sometimes if there are some Christians like those van drivers that fly under the radar, that don't have the bumper sticker with the 1-800 number. There was a, there was a lady who was uh, turning right at a, um, at a light one day as someone was turning left. And if you've read in your driver's manual that when, you, when you're turning right, you turn into the, to the far lane, and when you're turning left, you turn into the other, right? It's for the, for the flow of traffic, right? And so the, the, one, the one car was, was uh, turning left into their lane and the one turning right was, was turning into their lane. And all of a sudden the horn blazes and the finger goes up, you know, the universal sign for hello or whatever. And, and, uh, and, and then cuss words start flying and the car speeds off and the other car is just like, what happened? I went into my lane. And... and and then out of the corner of his eye, he catches the, the bumper sticker in the window that told of the church that that person attended. <laughs> Whoops is right. We wonder if God were to place a sticker on, on our back that asked, how's my living? Or how's my attitude? Maybe with a 1-800 number to call. What would others say about us? My question here is, where are you strategically placing your light? Remember that we never do anything accidentally well. Live on purpose. Live intentionally. You've got a light that the Lord has given you, and you get to strategically place that. This last point is that we get to be light givers. We, we get to be light receivers. We get to strategically place our lamp. And now we have the opportunity to be light givers. I love what a guy named um, Charles Spurgeon said. He said, Christ never contemplated the production of secret Christians. We're not to be isolated from the world. We're to live our life giving light to the world. The title, Light of the World, that Jesus talked about in this passage it was often given to prominent Jews like rabbis. So he, he, he often said phrases and talked about things that that culture would quickly understand. When he said light of the world, his audience and the Pharisees and Sadducees that were listening in, listening in they would have uh, all of a sudden picked up on something. They would have realized that when you call someone the light of the world, it's normally for someone like a rabbi. And Jesus' audience was not rabbis. And so they, they caught it pretty quickly that Jesus was saying, you don't have to be the elite of the elite. That all of you get to be, have the privilege of being, have the responsibility of being the light of the world. Jesus never challenges us to become salt or light. He simply said that we are. And I love that. You don't, get to, you don't have to work something up you don't have to go to the a class and figure out how to be. You, you, don't, you don't come up and get hands laid on you and, and, and we get to impart the light of the world. Jesus simply said that you are. You are the light of the world. And we are either fulfilling or failing at that given responsibility. Your light should necessarily affect your surroundings. You, you, by being the light, you're exposing darkness. You're lighting the path to Jesus, you're giving glory to God. There's a story 
about a very interesting, well-educated Greek philosopher whose name is Dr. Alexander uh, Papaderos. Dr. Alexander Papaderos. Dr. Papaderos, every summer on the island of Crete, taught a class on ethics for two weeks. And this particular summer, he was just getting ready to close up the class, the last couple minutes. And he says, now are there any questions before we're done? Everyone's packing up their bags, getting ready to go. And there was this little old man in the back that raised his hand kind of sheepishly and says, yes, uh, you know, I have a question. And everybody in the room's like, oh, because they all wanted to go home. And the, the, the professor says, yes, what is it? And he says, I'd like to know, what is the meaning of life? And so as you can imagine, everybody in the room was like, and not only is he asking a question, it has to be a heavy one like this. This is going to take forever. And so Dr. Papaderos very quickly quieted the group, and he said to the class, you know, if you don't mind, I'd like to answer the question. And so he reached into his back pocket and pulled out his wallet. And out of his wallet, he took a little mirror that was about a half dollar size. And then he told this tale. He says, when I was a child, I began to realize that I could have so much fun with that mirror. I would simply catch the glint of the sun and shine the mirror into an otherwise darkened area. And as I grew older, I began to learn that this is no child's toy. This is really a metaphor for my life. Now, I'm not the light. I'm not the source of the light. I'm simply a broken mirror fragment. But if I allow the sun to shine on my mirror fragment, it's amazing what light I can bring into darkness. And then he said, ladies and gentlemen, that is the meaning of life. See, each of us is a mirror fragment. We're not the light. We're not the source of light. We're simply a broken mirror fragment. But when we permit the sun to shine on our mere fragment and then bounce off into the life of a darkened heart. There can be change. There can be illumination. And so after all of this, why shine? Why shine? And I would say yes to expose darkness. And, we, and, and we've heard messages on that, the darkness in our heart and the darkness in the world. I'd say yes to love the world. And we heard testimonies even today of of people in tears because they felt the love of the Lord. And yes, to love the world. Yes, to bring people to salvation. And we heard, I mean, countless people coming through Keith's room back here and hearing the gospel. And and, and I've heard, I, I thought I heard maybe even 10 for sure that we know gave their heart to the Lord last night. And and I mean, yes, to bring people to salvation. But I love the simplicity of this verse that we've been reading for the last few weeks. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, why shine? To make him famous. To make him famous. As I let my 
light shine. I glorify him. Uh, to, to receive glory, it's it, to, to be famous, to, to be put on display. When, I'm, when I am doing good deeds and all this, if I am getting the glory, if, if, it's, if it's a Jonathan show, if it's all about my talents and my abilities and, and, and the letting the light shine is all about me, that's some other type of light, but it's not the light he's talking about. But if we show up powerfully and let our light shine, let it really let it reflect off our broken mere fragments, we get the privilege of making him famous. And that's what this whole thing was all about. Pastor Kelly, there you are. Praise Jesus. Why don't we go ahead and stand this morning as we get to wrap up. Pastor Kelly's going to lead us in one last song. And you've been challenged in all kinds of ways. Let me just tell you this. Over these last few weeks, in no way in my heart or anybody that's been up here, in no way in our heart we want to make you feel guilty about anything. We don't want you to feel manipulated into anything. But uh, I do hope that Holy Spirit challenges your heart. I hope that, that he, you and him go to a place just kind of introspectively between you and him, and he's able to, to show you the places where you are like hitting it out of the park in your walk with God. I'd love for him to highlight the things where, where you, just as a Christian, as a believer, are just making it happen and hitting it out of the park. But I also want him to shine light into areas like in my life where he says, Jonathan, I need you to like step it up in this area. The Bible says that he disciplines those he loves. And so if you've felt, even over the last few weeks, if you felt like, man, that was a hard message, or man, I don't know if I agree with that, or I, I wish that he would just you know, let off the gas a little bit, there, there may be some truth in that. But could it also be the Holy Spirit in the way that he knows how is taking you by the hand and gently shining his light into the area that maybe you're not functioning the best in. He's saying, hey, let me help you here. Let me give you boldness where you don't have boldness. Let me give you passion where you're lacking in passion. Let me fill your oil lamp where it might be low. 